Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Bible, one chapter at a time, and we're working our way through. Oh, well, I should every now and again, we'll do a half a chapter, and sometimes we might do three or four chapters. But for the most part, it's been a chapter at a time, and we're over eight years into this thing. And we've done all of the New Testament, and we're working our way through the Old Testament, and we've done good. You finished uh, uh, with me Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. We wrapped up Leviticus last week, so that's good stuff. And um, this week we're going to start working through Numbers. And Numbers is a fascinating book in the Old Testament. And yet, uh, a lot of people are discouraged just by the name of the book. Um, it seems to be sort of inappropriate uh, for a lot of folks. It's like uh, it's like telephone directory, or or um, you know the principles of arithmetic for some folks. And um, so I think a lot of times people approach it with a little suspicion of it being dull, and um, it's a it's a challenge. Let's put it that way. But it's a it's a worthy challenge because you you shouldn't give up on reading numbers, although. I would say a lot of people start with reading numbers and make it through, if they push hard, the first five chapters and then they're done and they don't go back. because it, and, and the problem is you miss some amazing stuff in Numbers. Like in Numbers 6, you know what's in November 6? It's the priestly blessing. And you hear that every day, every time you're here. May the you know, Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. That's, that comes right out of number 6. And so if you, if you didn't go through the book, you'd have missed the, the priestly blessing. Um, so it's worth working through, but it's uh, it's not. Um, some parts of the Bible read easier than others. We're we're aware of that, right? And some are a little more difficult for different reasons. But um, the what you have to know is that the Book of Numbers it's an important part of the Bible. All and all Scripture is God breathed, so it all matters. And um, it's it's just a book that uses numbers to celebrate what God has done. And so um, in those numbers is, is His praise. And you just have to see that. So that's what's taking place as you read through the book of Numbers. The first 10 chapters um, really sort of start talking about God organizing His people to head to the promised land. And um, so we're going to be looking at that on this journey. And with that said, let me just go ahead and read Numbers uh, 1. There's 54 verses there's a lot of names and a lot of numbers. And so when I don't know a name, how to pronounce it, I just make it up. Just so you know. And feel free. So if you hear the same name twice and I'd say it differently, because I don't remember how I said it the first time. Uh, and uh, and I, I encourage that for you when you're reading it. Don't get stuck on the names because it'll make it even longer to read. All right? But let's dig in. We'll talk about it on the other side. And I think it's all really good stuff. Numbers 1. Verse 1 and following, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. So they've been out now for a little while. He says, take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, lifting every man by name one by one. Pretty significant task. You and Aaron are to number by their divisions all the men in Israel 20 years old or more who are able to serve in the army. One man from each tribe, each the head of his family, is to help you. These are the names of the men who are to assist you. From Reuben, Eliezer, son of Shadur. From Simeon, 
Shalumiel, son of Zerushadai. From Judah, Nashon, son of Aminadab. From Issachar, Nethanel, son of Zuar. From Zebulon, Eliab, son of Helon. From the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim, Elashima, uh, son of uh, Amihud. And from Manasseh, Gamaliel, son of Peduzer. <laughs> from Benjamin, Abedin, son of Gideonai. And from Dan, Ahizer, son of Amishadai. From Asher, Pagiel, son of Okrin. And from Gad, Eliasaph, son of Duel. And from Naphtali, Ahira, son of Enan. These were the men appointed from the community, the leaders of their ancestral tribes. They were the heads of the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men whose names had been given, and they called the whole community together on the first day of the second month. And the people indicated their ancestry by their clans and families. And the men 20 years old or more were listed by name one by one, as the Lord commanded Moses. And so he counted them in the desert of Sinai. From the descendant of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, one by one, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Reuben was 46,500. From the descendants of Simeon, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were counted and listed by name, one by one, according to the records of their clans and families. And the number from the tribe of Simeon was 59,300. From the descendants of Gad, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Gad was 45,650. From the descendants of Judah, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. And the number from the tribe of Judah was 74,600. From the descendants of Issachar, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the record of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Issachar was 54,400. From the descendants of Zebulon, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the record of their clans and families. And the number from the tribe of Zebulon was 57,400. From the sons of Joseph, from the descendants of Ephraim, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. And the number from the tribe of Ephraim was 40,500. From the descendants of Manasseh, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Manasseh was 32,200. From the descendants of Benjamin, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to their record of their clans and families, and the number from the tribe of Benjamin was 35,400. From the descendants of Dan, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Dan was 62,700. From the descendants of Asher, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to their records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Asher was 41,500. From the descendants of Naphtali, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name. According to the records of their clans and families, the number from the tribe of Naphtali was 53,400. These were the men, counted by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, Israel, each one representing his family. All the Israelites, 20 years old or more, who were able to serve in Israel's army were counted according to their families, and the total number was 603,000. 
550. The families of the tribe of Levi, however, were not counted along with the others. The Lord had said to Moses, you must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of the other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites, the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony over its, all its furnishings and everything belonging to it. They're to carry the tabernacle, all its furnishings. They're to take care of it and camp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. Whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Anyone else who goes near it shall be put to death. The Israelites are to put up their tents by divisions. Each man in his own camp under his own standard. The Levites, however, are to set up their tents around the tabernacle of the testimony so that wrath will not fall on the Israelite community. The Levites are to be responsible for the care of the tabernacle of the testimony. And the Israelites did all this just as the Lord commanded Moses. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So that's Numbers chapter 1. That's not so bad. And actually, it's very fascinating because what's happening is that God is organizing his people and uh, mobilizing them for the march to the promised land. Now, the promised land, and so how you need to think of this as you're, as you're reading it, is the, it's the great hope of all believers. And as we sort of march through this world, we're to be pressing on to the promised land of God. And the promised land is that hope that He's given us. It has at least, you know, two meanings. It's the, it means conquest. It means rest. It means conquering all the enemies, the trials, and the temptations of this life. It also means a, a spiritual rest, learning to rest in God, being free from all of the guilt and the anxiety and the loneliness and the emptiness and the sin and the shame that this, this world has and the enemy tries to pile on us. And... and uh, it means uh, being victorious then over the enemies of, of life and, and then entering into rest, the rest of God. It's also, you know, it means the, 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 the promise of heaven, you know, uh, living forever in the eternal presence of God in the new heavens and earth. And so um, in your picture, as you see God organizing these things, um, think about how, you know, he, we're also on a journey to the promised land and we're to stay focused on where we're headed. And um, we're to march in that direction, keeping our eyes focused on this hope. And then knowing that we're not called to march alone. We're called to march along with other believers. And um, we walk side by side with the folks that are also heading in that direction, loving um, on Jesus. So uh, this is sort of what we're looking at as God begins to organize the people. And uh, he starts with this with this census. But in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a picture of the church, how to how to mobilize us together to move together towards the promises of God uh, and into the eternal promise that we have. And so, so that's kind of the, this 10-chapter organization. Verse 1 of chapter 1, um, it says, The Lord spoke. And that's important because He's giving directions. He's giving them through Moses and Aaron at this point. But God is speaking to His people. And interestingly... Um, in the book of Numbers, it's used over 150 times that the Lord spoke. And, and that's why, you know, we know Numbers is, is inspired Scripture and why it's important. And um, that he's, he's guiding his people by speaking to Moses and having Moses declare his word to the people. And, in, and you know, God speaks to us today. He, he guides us and he directs us. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us leads us now. And um, 
you know, his hope for us is that we overcome these areas of life that are so difficult, and we overcome the the uh, the temptation and the and the twisting of the enemy in our lives as we march on towards the the promise that we have in him. And and so so God speaks with us and meets us and leads us and guides us. We have his word and we have the Holy Spirit and we have all these amazing things as believers today. And um, so, you know, for us, it's just learning to be available like Moses was. And um, we, we make sure that we're being attentive to the Lord. We're listening for what he has and we, we seek to him and he, he communicates with us in, in many ways on the journey. Well, the census begins in verses 2 and 3. And um, this was a military census. So if you, if you think, you know, well, God doesn't care about women or children, nothing. No, that's not true at all. He, he cared about all of them. What he was doing was he was preparing them because now as they entered the promised land, they were also going to be engaging in battles. And so he's, he's putting the army together, if you would. And so they're, they're counting um, every man, 20 or over, fit for the army, and they're listed by name. Pretty, pretty interesting thing. You know, think about, it's not like they had a computer, right? They weren't somebody walking around with an iPad going, oh, boom. <laughs> uh, this was a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, the total number was 600 and some thousand. It's back there in verse 33. I forget the number now. But you, you have to think about how, so why numbers is so cool. Think about, now this hasn't been... Um, it's 430-some years and now, um, you know, of captivity and a couple of years now that they've been on this side of it, a year and change, heading into the promised land or, you know, in the end of 40 years as they start moving in that direction, all those things. But what's, what's happened, it's not a huge amount of time. And if you remember from our studies, when they first went in to Goshen, Israel was a family of 70. So in that 450 years, 500 years. Just the men, 20 and older, not including the Levites, are 600 and some thousand. So by this point in time, it's 2 to 4 million people that has become Israel. Very important that you know that. So um, one of the things that you know that we get from that is as God starts to prepare this army um, by getting them, you know, in order and by division and by clan and everything. He's setting them all up. Um, it's it speaks to us as we're as we're journeying as well in, into the promised land. We need to be prepared for spiritual battle because we're going to face it. We talk about that all the time. We we uh, we know that the enemy, you know, wants to keep us off track and to keep us uh, from being um, effective in the world around us. And so he has all sorts of tricks and traps. And that's why we spent so long in this series talking about uh, the, previously the armor of God. That, that we are, we're to put on the armor every day. And I hope you're doing it. I hope that you haven't forgotten me talking about that just not that many weeks ago. But that is part of your daily routine. You're, you're, you're taking just a couple of moments. Remember the wristbands are still out there. And you, you actually, and if, you know, it's, it's very helpful because if for some reason I've slipped in my, uh, it's, I pray, but if I've forgotten the armor, when I go to, I have these sitting by when I get dressed, if I, I won't put that on without stopping to pray. So just a great reminder. You know, Lord, I, I just want to wear the belt of truth today. Be a person of integrity and pick up your breastplate of righteousness, God. Because I don't want, I don't want it to be a self-righteousness. I want, I want your righteousness. It's loving and cares, and I want to, I want to put on those, those, you know, the shoes of peace and be, be ready to be a peacemaker and share the gospel when, when you give me opportunities. And I want to take up that shield of faith that extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the, of the evil one. 
knowing that, that you exist, God, and that you care and that you respond. And I, I take that helmet of salvation, God, and I, I, I'm so thankful that I'm justified and being sanctified and will be glorified. And, and Lord, I, I take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and, and having done all to stand, God, I just want to stand in you today, make a difference for you, and be prepared for whatever you, you have for me. And that, that, that didn't take very long, but that needs to be a part of your daily morning routine. Put on the armor of God. Prepare for life around us and the battle that we're in. And he's preparing his people for uh, the battle that they will engage in battle after battle after battle as they go into the promised land. Uh, then verses 4 through 16 they, um, they, the leaders uh, are sort of appointed over each little tribe, uh, and um, they would help Moses on this journey. They, so in effect, they were going to help him get this army ready to go. And, um, you know, in a group like that, there always needs to be some people that are, that are leading and willing to step up and do some of the stuff that happens and guide folks that need to have, be guide, uh, have guidance. And then uh, in verse 17 uh, through 46, really the... The census starts to take place, and the, the, the men that were able to fight were listed tribe by tribe, um, all of them listed in a register by name, which identified him as part of that particular tribe. Now, this was going to be really important when they got to the promised land, because you know what happens when they get to the promised land is all the land that God has prom promised them is given out to all of these tribes, to all of these clans, to all of these families, families, and everybody gets a chunk of land. And they're all listed, see? And he's gone and he's listed them. And, and it was going to be um, critical for them to know their lineage and their ancestry, that they could trace it back. One of the amazing things that we have, um, so sometimes when you start reading those genealogies, that, you know, that aren't very interesting, um, it's pretty easy to skip the genealogy when you get to them, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and then so-and-so begat so-and-so. You know what I'm talking about? But it's amazing that they took such good records that we can actually, so that we have the genealogy of Jesus that we needed to have to know that he was the Messiah. It was kept in record form for us, or else we wouldn't have known. And, and, uh, um, but throughout this period of history, because of the Crimson Thread of Redemption, we know, we can see, it's tracked for us, this lineage. And so all these records are being kept um, way back then. And this was, you know, important to know who they were, but to be linked into their ancestry so we know where they were coming from the tribes. And it prepared them for the battle. Uh, and so you know, 603,550. Uh, so now the population between 2 and 4 million. And, and think if you, you know, I said going in it was 70, but think even back further that was at the end of Genesis, to the promise that God gives Abraham when he, when he hasn't even had children yet and, and is old and doesn't think he's going to, that he's going to bless Abraham with a great nation of people. How about that? So there's a couple of million folks right there. Not that it ended there, but that's a, that's a pretty big chunk, right? Um, that, uh, that he was going to send through the descendants of Abraham the promised seed of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and and. We know that happened, but it, because of the lineage was there. And he would use Abraham's descendants to bless the world. And, uh, and so that's certainly what they were called to. And, you know, so out of those things, there's a, there's a few things that there's a sort of a picture in that recording of their names. Um, 
because it was going to be important for their inheritance. Okay, so for believers now, what we have is the book of life. And it's important that your name is written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, as it says in Revelation, and your name is written in the book when you get saved. That's how that works. When you give your life to Jesus, um, your name is in the book. And all that really matters at the end of things is that your name is in the book. The, everything else, is gonna, that's the big one, um, that, that your name is in the book of life. And, and so, um, you know, that's, that's how we know we're going to reach, uh, you know, the promised land. Every true believer is written in the book of life. In Luke 10, it says, um, you know, the disciples went out and, and things were going on and they were, demons were being, you know, cast out and everything. And Jesus said, listen, don't rejoice in that, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So, so there's something that, you know, about our inheritance that we can get as a picture of what was going on there. Um, also, what we get out of all that is all of us are called into the army, as I was talking about earlier. And um, we, we're going to be a part of this uh, army that God has put together as we march on together towards the promised land. And we're going to, you know, the way that we do battle primarily now against the enemy is we, we're getting people out of darkness into light. And that's... That's how we overcome him. And that's light overcomes the darkness. And um, so we're working on that. And that the other thing, you know, you can see from that is the faithfulness of God. That God's promised these things and he fulfills his promises. And God's faithful to his promise. And that's important for us to know on the journey. And then those last verses, 47 through 54, um, it's about the Levites. And, and the Levites weren't counted in the army. They weren't going to engage in the battle the way everyone else did. What they were going to do is they were going to be responsible for the tabernacle, which was a big deal. We spent the entire book of Exodus and part, big chunks of Leviticus talking about the tabernacle and how it was going to be done. Well, the Levites were given the responsibility of being the ones that would take care of the tabernacle. They were going to have to tear it down when they moved. They were going to have to set it right back up and make sure all the sacrifices started again. Um, that wasn't going to be on the priests. That was going to be on the, the Levites. And so this was going to be taking place, and that was going to be their job, and that was their whole deal. They were going to camp around it, make sure it was safe from, from any sort of attack or even from the people of Israel trying to bypass the rules and regulations, and they wouldn't have access. It was going to have to go through the Levites. And so, um, so here you have this, this neat picture, this start of God preparing his people to head to the promised land. Everybody's going to have a task. Everybody's going to be involved on this journey. And um, they, were, they were about to get underway on this whole sort of walk that they would have to go through to get to the promised land. So that's kind of how Numbers starts, and that's probably enough. That wasn't too painful. And uh, we'll, we'll go through more. And on the really painful chapters, we'll probably do two or three. Like ripping a Band-Aid off. <laughs> oh, we're going to stop there. If you're watching my video... Thanks for doing that. Come and see us when you can. We'd love to have you. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page. We will pray for you. And uh, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.